to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Dr. Robin McCutcheon joins me to discuss the economic landscape of the world today in this episode, and we discuss Russia and Ukraine, what's really going on there, along with domestic and financial issues as well, and how to prepare for a coming collapse of the banking system. We also discuss a few education stories and how the teaching of our youth has to change in order to ensure their survival in the future. Robin appeared recently on Dr. Janda's radio show and provided the alternative message to the mainstream narrative, and her take is an accurate one to say the least. So our conversation picks up right there. So give this one a listen, share it where you can, take notes if you need to, and I'll catch you on Friday, everybody. Well, I, I confess that I do, I do get my daily dose of Fox News, but most of the time I'm flipping them the bird or trying not to throw a tomato at the TV. Um, I, I, uh, ever since this Ukraine thing started, um, and and it's been longer than that actually, but man, they really turned up the heat on the Ukraine stuff, and and every word out of their mouth for two solid weeks was an absolute lie. Um, the the videos that they were showing uh, were obviously doctored. Not not. I don't know what movie set that they're on making all these videos, but wherever it is, they've, they need some, uh, um, it, some, what am I thinking of? I'm, I'm thinking of some coherence. There, there's a particular person on a movie set that makes a continuity director that makes sure that everything flows smoothly. You know, like if they've got a screenshot of an actor and it's two o'clock on the clock behind the wall, they make sure that the clock is still at two o'clock on the right. clock behind the wall, right. that kind of thing. But, um, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen um, Nick Ruiz's uh, video about deepfakes and how to make a deepfake. So I started going back through the videos that Fox had been showing, and sure enough, they were, they were repeating and showing, again, videos that have been put together, deepfakes, not so good deep fakes. I mean, you know, so once you start seeing it, you can't stop seeing it. So I just, and, and something else struck me that when, when people like Lindsey Graham, um, uh, you get, you get other legislators, you get stars, you get, you know, people talking about how Putin is going to destroy their, their democracy. I mean, even, Klaus Schwab, not Klaus Schwab, um, George Soros came out the other day and said, if we don't stop Putin and G, he's going to destroy what we've built. And I'm thinking, good. That's what I, <laughs> That's right. I don't want you guys to succeed. Right. So I think when, when, when the world starts screeching about Putin destroying what they've built and, oh my God, if Ukraine falls, so will Taiwan. I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe partially Putin and G are the good guys. So. I I just um I I don't want to let someone else do my thinking for me. I'd rather do it myself. And if if all of the digging I came up with supported what Fox News was saying, then then I might say, okay, well, fine. I can see where they're going with this. But I mean, it to me, it's it's just blatant lying. And I just I detest being lied to. I really do. So I can't even bring myself to watch the other channels. You know, I get my little daily dose of Fox News, flipping them the bird, and then, then I go off and start digging on the Internet for, okay, what's really happening over there? Yep. 
you know, I, I, I turned on uh, Fox and Friends in the morning on uh, yesterday morning on Sunday. And mm-hmm. the looks on their faces. Um, and and I, I don't know if I'm looking for this or not, but the, you know, the three hosts there on the couch, I'm saying to myself, okay, Pete, Pete Heg- Hegseth used to be in the military. Uh, he's got a look on his face like he's not believing what he's having to read. And he yep. he looks like he's, you know, like he knows what's really going on, but he, of course, can't say it. And then yep. you have Rachel Campos Duffy in the middle, who's, of course, husband used to be uh, a congressman. And, he, mm-hmm. and she's kind of leaning toward Pete Hegseth, but has an even more scrunched up look on her face like she can't believe what's what's actually being said here and what's being done. So, you know, one of the interesting things, again, is is these individuals in these positions and, and, and these employment positions, I mean, when are they just going to say enough is enough? I mean, I understand that they're under contract and they have to play ball and, you know, they, they've got to play that corporate game. But when are they just going to openly say, hey, look, we're reading some stuff here. I don't know if any of this is true. <laughs> I mean, of course, that's probably the moment they get the they get the axe, but get the big hook yeah no kidding yeah i i don't know um i don't think i could bring myself to lie to lie like that now you know maybe give them the benefit of the doubt maybe they don't know what's going on maybe they're completely in the dark but they still can't believe what they're saying because it just doesn't make any sense um i think if i think if pete hegseth actually knew the truth i don't think he'd be able to speak his line but, but we have to remember that they're all under a script. They're all somebody else has written the words that they're saying. You know, if if they can if they can squeeze out a tone of disbelief while they're saying these lines, then maybe that's the best we're going to get. Um, I think it's interesting that let's see, today is the fourteenth. I think it's interesting that a week and a half ago, there were no bioweapons labs, no bioresearch labs in Ukraine. That's foolish. That's a conspiracy theory. You've lost your mind. You're insane. And then Victoria Newland comes out on, what was it, Wednesday or Thursday? Yeah. The uh, 9th or the 10th. I don't remember which date it was, but it was recent. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we do have bioweapons labs there and bioresearch labs there. And poor Marco Rubio looked like he was trying to save the day and keep her from spilling the beans, and he just couldn't do it. Um, I, I don't know what possessed Newland to speak the truth. Maybe, <laughs> maybe she, maybe she had a scratchy neck or something. I don't know. But um, all of a sudden, the entire mainstream media had to flip on its ear and go, "Okay, yeah, there's bioweapons labs," but without saying we lied about it or we were misled or anything like that. But what I'm waiting for is when the the so that piece of information was debunked pretty fast. The uh, fake videos have been being debunked pretty quickly. Um, but what I'm waiting for is when the morning Fox people come out with a story and it's debunked by noon. What kind of knots are they going to have to twist themselves into at that point? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so we know that in 2013... The um, Smith-Munt Act, the modernization of the Smith-Munt Act, which the Smith-Munt Act was put in in 1946, and it essentially said that our media cannot lie to us. They have to tell us the truth, Um, which, of course, you know, the truth can be stretched. But in 2013, 
President Obama signed into law the modernization of the Smith-Blunt Act, which basically said, yeah, lie your ass off. Go ahead, tell them, you know, propagandize, brainwash everybody. And so I'm, it's not surprising to me that our mainstream media has gone, has just put the pedal to the metal on all the lies they can fit into a half an hour or an hour. It's not surprising to me. Um, but this provides an opportunity for other people on the internet to put the truth out there. Um, we know that Google is uh, an abhorrent search engine in order to find any truth. I don't even use Google. I used to use DuckDuckGo until it came out, uh, what was it, Monday or Tuesday, the president or CEO of DuckDuckGo said, yeah, we're just going to bury all this Russia stuff. So essentially, we're not going to lead you to the truth either. So I started looking for other search engines, and I, I fell upon four or five of them that I'm kind of running through the, the grinder to see which one works best for me. But we, the truth is out there. It cannot be hidden, not for very long anyway. And um, And when people finally begin waking up to the fact that not only have they been lied to, but they've been lied to for decades, um, man, the, the, the crap is really going to hit the fan. It's going to be spectacular. Yeah, I, I don't think there could have been a more blatant admission of, of wanting to hide the truth from anybody using the Internet than what DuckDuckGo did this past week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're openly saying, okay, here's the alternate view. We don't want you to find that as easily. I mean, right. shouldn't that raise a red flag with anyone with a brain? Did with me. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I've I've got on to Start Page. I use Start Page pretty daily now. Um, okay. I I enjoy that. I know that there are others. I even heard that the Brave browser has gone all in with Ukraine also. And uh, really? which is too bad because a lot of people again were leaning in that direction. Um, mm-hmm. There's a few others out there. There's a few, you know, and, and some of them are apps and some of them aren't. I, I know that Start Page is not an app, which is kind of why. I, I tend to trust them a little bit more, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when it just comes to their algorithm. But yeah, it's basically one of those. If you have a smartphone, then you you bookmark the the website to the the background of your cell phone, and then you just look it up that way. But yeah, g- give Start Page a try and see what you think. I will. I've jotted it down on my notes. Well, I'll tell you what, in, 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 this, huh. in this same vein, go ahead and, and discuss what you think is going on with the Fed. Um, you know, I've, I've got some Marshall University questions and jab questions for you, but we can, we can get, that, get to that at the end. Um, yeah. Because I, I definitely so, I, I want the audience to, to know what's going on specifically, you know, with, with uh, your, your recent battle with Marshall. But again, we'll get to that later on. Um, okay, so... For, for the story about the Federal Reserve, um, people should go look up using a search engine that will tell them the truth. People should go look up how the Federal Reserve got started. One of my favorite books is um, G. Edward Griffin's The Creature from Jekyll Island, which was my jumping off point for doing a lot of research um, into how the Fed got started. And, um, and I was able to find at one time um, Eustace Mullins' testimony to the, um, I think it was to the Senate, 
I, I might be wrong about which congressional body he was testifying in front of in 1937. But basically he said, yeah, this is a private bank, and every time you guys spend money, um, we're borrowing from a private bank, which means that when we pay it back, that little piece of interest that we pay back um, is we're taking it from the people through taxes and you know, sometimes through inflation, meaning that they're printing more money without an, uh, an associated increase in the production of goods or services. So G. Edward Griffin's The Creature from Jekyll Island is a good place to start. Um, he, he does a nice job of putting together the history of the Fed, how it got started. So roll fast forward from 1913 to 2020. And February 29th, which was the leap day, was a Saturday in 2020. And I found a, um, I found a little article, it was a one-page PDF put out by the Federal Reserve that basically gave an accounting of the, the number of tons of gold and silver that they claim they have. Now, the, next, the other thing that happened in February of 2020 was that um, President Trump put the Federal Reserve underneath the umbrella of the U.S. Treasury, which I thought was odd because the Federal Reserve is supposed to be a separate entity, not connected, uh, not directly connected to the U.S. Treasury. And and I, I remember scratching my head over this saying, what the heck is going on here? Why is he putting the Federal Reserve under the umbrella of the Treasury, which would mean that the the, the U.S. Treasury Secretary, and I think at that time it was Michigan. Does that sound right? Not Michigan. Um, can't remember the guy's name. Oh, shoot. Brain fade. It'll come to me. Anyway, which means that the U.S. Treasury Secretary has direct control over what the Federal Reserve does. It's Steve Mnuchin. So much, that's him. Yeah. Not, not, not Mnuchin. Mnuchin's an economist, geez. Mnuchin. Um, Mnuchin has con had control over the Federal Reserve, not the Federal Reserve chairman. And so, um, so I'm scratching my head over this, going, what, what is he doing? Well, I'm looking back on it now, and I realize that what, what Trump had done was that he had basically ended the Federal Reserve's charter, essentially. Now, I'm sure there's legal language in there somehow about exactly what he did but he was setting up he was setting the stage so that the federal reserve can be gotten rid of now what else happened in 2020 we go we roll into march and we get the china virus right china that's how that's how trump kept saying it so i'm going to bring us back to china in a little bit and um what did what did between trump and the legislature, what did they do? They passed the CARES Act, right? Three and a half trillion dollars worth of spending. Three and a half trillion dollars worth of money going to people without an associated increase in production of goods and services. In fact, we know there was no associated increase in production of goods and services because then he told us, go home and stay there for two weeks, right? Two weeks to flatten the curve. And we get two weeks down the line, and he says, that eh, take another two weeks off. So we all stay home for another two weeks. So two more weeks of shutdown, except for, you know, essential workers, and I'm putting essential in quotes. 
So three and a half trillion dollars goes rolling into the economy. And, and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, oh boy, won't this be fun? In about two years, we're going to get some really cool inflation. And, um, and then what, what else happened later in 2020? Eventually, a lot of us start going back to work. We get all kinds of riots during the summer of 2020. Um, the COVID is running rampant, supposedly killing thousands and thousands of people. You know, then we get to 2021 and figure out, wait a minute, this PCR test isn't telling us anything worthwhile. Um, and that's a whole other story. But in the meantime, um, President Trump steps down. Biden is installed in 2021. And the first thing he does is he shuts down the, X, the Keystone XL pipeline. But he also, at the same time, he implemented um, climate emissions restrictions on oil drillers and gas refineries. Okay, so that, that, this is going to play into it. So what happens after January 2021? Prices on gas start rising. The day before Biden was installed, I checked the gas price at where I usually stop to get gas, and it was a buck eighty-nine. It's well past four dollars now, so we're way beyond a hundred percent change in price on gasoline, at least in our area. All through the all through the summer of 2021, let's see how much more money did Congress spend. Well, they spent a trillion here, a trillion there. Um, We roll fast forward into 2022. Gas prices are still going up. Um, Russia hasn't even announced that it's going to go into Ukraine because this is before February 2022. And um, Congress keeps spending money. They keep passing these bills, a trillion here, a trillion and a half over there. They just passed another one for a trillion and a half. 2,700 pages plus, nobody's read it, you know. So so I'm looking at all this, all this money spending, um, people throughout the summer of 2020, even into parts of 2021, kept getting money for not, for not working. People had money in their pockets for unemployment benefits. The first time the, um, the CARES Act checks went, went out, Um, I had people asking me, did you get your money? And I was like, no. But I walked into Walmart and there wasn't a flat screen TV to be had in the whole store. And I was like, clearly other people have gotten their money because the flat screen TVs are all gone. That's that's a good measuring stick. It is a good. I I like a shopping bag index. It tells me much more what's going on in my local economy. Yeah. So, So as an economist, I know that when all this money is printed and sent out into people's pockets, it's going to get spent. And the average time that it takes for from from the time the bill is passed and the money is borrowed from the Fed to the time it gets into people's wallets to the time we actually see the rise in prices is somewhere between 18 and 24 months. Well, here we are. And the more money that they print, the higher the inflation goes. How is this important to the central bank, to the Federal Reserve System? Well, the Federal Reserve System isn't its own, it's, it's not its own separate entity anymore. Um, Trump, for three or four, at least three years of his term, tried to get, um, what was her name, Julia Shepard? 
can't remember her last name, but he tried to get a sound money person to sit on the Federal Reserve Board. She kept being put off and not voted on or voted down. Well, Trump wants to have our U.S. dollar be backed by gold or silver. He wants sound money, right? Because if we have sound money, then every time the government spends money on social welfare programs, it inflates the currency and people will know it and they will vote those legislators out of office. So inflation is not only a hidden tax, inflation is the only way that a government can um, finance social welfare programs. And it's the social welfare programs, it's the increase in the social welfare programs and the increased money spending in those programs going towards a socialistic or communistic economy that actually kills the whole thing. Because if you print too much money, at some point, that currency becomes worthless. Now, uh, there was another thing that happened in the summer of 2021. Remember the little incident in Afghanistan? Yes. Where the U.S. military pulled out of Afghanistan in a pretty spectacular tripping over themselves to get out. Well, that broke the link between the U.S. dollar and petroleum oil because um, our U.S. dollar has been connected to petroleum. It's called the petrodollar since 1971 when Nixon took us off the gold standard. And so, um, so that with that broken link, there's, there's less inclination for countries around the world to use the U.S. dollar as the medium of exchange in trade between countries or between companies within countries. And so that when that happened, that withdrawal from Afghanistan, breaking the link between the U.S. dollar and oil, because everyone was using the U.S. dollar to buy and sell oil, then that 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 becomes a huge break in the chain. And now all of a sudden countries have less reason to have U.S. dollars as their foreign currency reserves in their own central banks. Now, there's another piece to this that, um, that I had seen back in, I think it was like 2004. And that was a, just a little blip crossing the financial pages that China and Russia we're putting together a treaty to use the Russian ruble and the Chinese yuan um, as trading currencies without using the U.S. dollar. And when I saw this go past, I, I, I was like, what are they doing? This is, this is nuts. This is really going to hurt the U.S. dollar. Um, but, they, but they wanted to be able to trade goods and services with each other without having to go through the U.S. dollar as the middleman. So they're cutting the, the U.S. dollar out of their trade practices. Fast forward to just, you know, this last week, and I start hearing rumors again and seeing things on the financial pages about Russia and China in pretty big talks to use their current alliance between the ruble and the yuan to increase trade, um, not just with oil products, but with all products. 
And also in 2016, China and Russia, the BRIC companies, so Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, and they were joined by 20 other countries, signed an alliance in 2016 to fund gold exploration in Siberia, which is in Russia. So they've been setting up this path, uh, Russia and China have, they've been setting up this path to break themselves away from the Western central banking system. And we know that the Western central banking system has been controlled by the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, you know, private bankers. So they're breaking themselves out of this system. The other thing then, so, so now roll this into what Russia said they were doing in Ukraine. Putin said back in, uh, back on February 20th or 22nd, we're going to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine, and then he started rolling through. And all of a sudden, we discovered these biolabs. Well, we didn't discover it. I'm pretty sure everybody knew they were there. Uh, I didn't, but I'm pretty sure the people who were in charge knew they were there, and they're going after them. Putin doesn't want those biolabs on his border because... What's coming out now is that those biolabs were doing experiments to see if they could create a virus that would target Slavic people's um, genome. Yeah. So that they so that they could kill specific people groups. Right. I wouldn't want that. Yeah. And so, so what do I hear this morning? I hear on Fox News. Someone who's supposed to be Lindsey Graham, but boy, does it doesn't look like Lindsey Graham. But anyway, I hear I hear this Lindsey Graham puppet say, if Putin gets away with taking Ukraine, then our guy in Taiwan is doomed. Now, the other thing that I saw was that um, the other thing that I saw was uh, a little blip running across some social media. So this is a grain of salt kind of thing. I haven't verified it. That um, China has shut down the Shenzhen province, which is the biggest shipping province. Nothing in, nothing out, not even FedEx for the next week from today until the 20th of March. Now, they say it's for COVID. You know, we've got we've got 1,200 cases of COVID. You're setting, shutting down a province with, 50 million people in it for 1,200 cases of COVID. Right. Okay. It's turning into quite the excuse that can be used over and over again. Yes. And the media will suck it up and lap it up and buy it. Um, My thinking is that Xi Jinping doesn't want biolabs on his border either. Um, And Taiwan, we know, has biolabs. In fact, it came out about the time that Victoria Newland was spilling the beans to the Senate. It comes out that we've got 300-plus biolabs that the U.S. has been funding all scattered across the world. So, you know, I'm sure that, I'm sure that people don't want these biolabs in their countries now. Not, not when we know that, these, that um, potentially what can come out of there are very deadly pathogens on purpose. You know, not not on accident. You know, right? <laughs> I'm thinking of this Wuhan wet lab, uh, wet market. Yeah, that that was a great story. It didn't hold up very long for me either, um, especially when they said it came from bat soup, and I'm like, the soup is hot. It's like boiling hot. It's going to kill whatever's in there, <laughs> even the bat. So anyway, 
Um, so, so what does this have to do with the central bank? Well, if you want to break away from the being controlled by the cabal, which controls the Western central banks, then you've got to set up other arrangements with other countries, like Russia and China have done, and and use other currencies that are not the U.S. dollar. And that's what they're doing. Um, if, if Russia backs their ruble with gold, which, and here was another thing, I saw a, a um, communi not a communique, but like a little note floating around the financial pages about, let me think, had to have been mid-February. Yeah, it was mid-February where Putin put out an announcement to the Russian people starting on February, the, I think it was February the 20th. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was February the 20th. I might have the date wrong, but he told his people there will be no levy on purchasing gold and silver in the country. It's a 20% tax on purchasing gold and silver. He said, that tax is going to be gone. I encourage you all to go out and buy gold and silver. Putin told that to his people a week or two weeks short, you know, not quite two weeks before he invaded Ukraine. So he's already letting his people know, trade in your, you know, sell off, sell off your rubles and go buy gold and silver. China has been doing the same thing with their people. Go out and buy gold and silver. Now, why would the, the country's leaders tell their people to do that if they weren't planning on backing their currency with gold and silver? So as soon as they do that, the, that, that chops that link binding countries to the Western Central Banks. It, it keeps chopping away at that link. And sooner or later, the U.S. dollar really, truly will be worthless because no one will be using it to trade. Right. The only reason that the U.S. dollar has been king dollar for since the end of World War II is because um, the, the U.S. and other countries, I, I want to, um, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, not so much, but, but more recently, France, Germany, Canada have all agreed to use the U.S. dollar in trade as the middleman. It's not because our dollar is so great. It's because countries agreed to do that. Well, what happens when you've got the rest of the 209 countries in the world? So five countries out of 209 are using the U.S. dollar to trade, and everybody else is using whatever currency they want to, or gold and silver, or Bitcoin. Because another thing that came out, uh, that I, I think it was a joke, um, I also read that Putin said, um, this was sometime early last week, he told everyone, look, I can cut the oil and gas off from Germany. Germany immediately, you know, like a dog on a leash, came to heel and said, okay, okay, you know, don't do that. We want to be warm. It's still winter. And then Putin said, but anybody else who wants to buy oil and gas products can. We'll only accept rubles. Or gold and Bitcoin. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. You know. So what, so what this means, what this is telling me, is that the Western central banks are doomed. There's no way Putin is going to stop denazifying and demilitarizing Ukraine. At some point, that whole thing, I, I don't know where Zelensky is. I've read... Um, I've read rumors that he's actually in Poland. I can't verify it because I'm not there. 
but you know they showed a um they the fox news showed a video the other day of uh, Zelensky walking through a hospital you know kind of surrounded by a bunch of doctors visiting um, wounded Ukrainian soldiers in the hospital and the only problem was is that one of the doctors that was beside him died in February yep. uh, yeah so I mean it you know nice deep fake but you got to make sure everybody in the picture is still alive when you're saying it just happened yesterday so um, so I think I think that Putin is not going to stop. I'm pretty sure that Xi Jinping doesn't want biolabs anywhere near his country. Who knows what happened to the Wuhan Institute of Virology? Is it still going, or did they clean it out? I, you know? I have no pretty, idea. Yeah, and for years, the um, central bankers, the European Union and the Federal Reserve bankers have tried to get China to have a Western central bank in China. And um, and Xi Jinping just won't have anything to do with that. No thanks. I don't want you here. We know that that Putin has um, kicked the Rothschilds central bankers out of Russia. The the Russian central bank reports only to the Kremlin. Doesn't report to anybody else. Um, George Soros is persona non grata in Russia. George Soros is persona non grata in a lot of countries. It turns out. Um, so, you know, this, this whole thing is a slow rolling train wreck. I can see what's coming. The Federal Reserve at some point is going to be printing so much money that the dollar is really going to be worthless. In the meantime, smart people are going to be preparing, right? Getting stocked up on food. For me, it's toilet paper. Um, and, and we're, we're just going to be in our own communities, preparing as we can for the collapse of the U.S. dollar because it's coming. I don't. I don't know when. I just know it's sooner than it was a year ago. Yeah. So get ready. Tell tell everyone you know. You know, buy the things. Buy the things that you know you're going to need. Um, if it really is true that Shenzhen shut down all of their um, importing and exporting, all the shipping all the flights, if they really and truly have shut that down, that is a big chunk of what goes out into the world. So the things that we would get that come from China or that China ships, you know, they're the middleman, that's not coming. And so these shortages are going to get worse. Gas prices are going to go higher. Um, I did read that Montana is flipping Biden the bird and saying, screw you, we're going to pump oil anyway. Um, I think at some point the states are going to figure out that they have states' rights, and and it doesn't matter what the federal government says. They're just gonna, they're just gonna say, uh, okay, I got to kind of keep it clean here. They're just gonna say, go jump off a, go jump off a cliff. We're doing whatever it is we need to do to survive anyway. Yeah. So I'm so Montana's gonna start drilling. There's at least one driller in Montana that's saying, screw it, I'm drilling. Price of price of oil is one hundred and four dollars. Well, it was an hour ago. One hundred and four dollars a barrel, and um, and at some point the drillers are going to go screw this. I'm drilling. So, um, but right now they're holding off one because some of them are paying off debts, which I think is a good idea to get out of debt. And some of them are not drilling because they're they're afraid of running afoul of 
these new climate emissions regulations that Biden put in. But if he's not really a legitimate president, then it doesn't matter what executive order or law he signed, it's irrelevant anyway. So I'm just, you know, sticking that out there for people to munch on. Um, so I think what we're seeing is we're seeing the end of the central bank. It's a slow roll. I'm, I don't see. Here's another thing. I've had people ask me, well, should I go take my money out of the bank? I don't know. I mean, you probably should have a little bit of cash. Um, but if everybody ran to the bank to take their money out, the banking system would collapse overnight. And then we'd be in really big trouble. Because we wouldn't have that slow roll of it slowly cratering to the ground in order, we wouldn't have that extra time to prepare. I mean, we're on borrowed time now, but um, but we need that. We You're going to need some cash, but if you deplete every bank of the cash that it has, that's, that's just going to make the whole thing collapse faster. And I, I think that think that we're not ready. I think there's too many people asleep and don't realize that the banking system is collapsing and we have to we have to work faster to wake more people up to to if nothing else just to this fact. Does that make sense? It it does and I and I actually think well I've I've tossed that around my own brain a, a, a great deal. The fact that given all of the people that are still asleep and have absolutely no idea what's going on, and as we both know, we're, we are related to some of these people. Um, if the banks closed or all of a the sudden they couldn't pull out cash, they would start calling their other family members and they'd say, well, yep. we, we can't get cash. Can you get cash? And, and we would, of course, say, well, of course. Because we know what's going on, and we have a lot of our cash out of the bank right now. And they'd say, well, mm -hmm. well, we, well we don't, and we can't get it out. I, I really do believe right. it's going to take an event like that to, to essentially scoop up the rest of the normies, so to speak, and, uh, and, and, and shake them out of the trance that they've been in. Um, even throughout this entire time with all of the information that's been disseminated and, and, and just the information that, that we can get at our fingertips, I mean, they don't even know that. So I really, right. I, I do think that they're going to have to, they're going to have to experience some kind of a rude awakening in the middle of all of yeah. this. Well, it's uh, the, the thing that will awaken the last, the last normies, the last percentages of the normies who are so deeply slumbering through their brainwashing and propaganda would be a collapse of the banking system. That would wake them rudely out of their sleep. Yeah. Um, here's another little thing that I discovered on Saturday evening, rooting around the internet. It turns out that um, people in Britain were told your debit and credit cards may not work starting on Monday. Yeah, that would wake people up too. Yeah, yeah. So I think, personally, I I'm I'm done being a debt slave. It it irritates me to no end to know that every dollar that Congress spends, we have to pay back with a dollar and a few more cents. That all of this money is being basically magically. That's not it's not magic. It's just just printed into existence, and it's. It's, 
it's a manufactured profit. It's a manufactured um, wealth. Real wealth are assets, things of value. I mean, our grandparents, Chuck's, my dad, my dad was, um, had his, not his formative years, but his teenage years in the Great Depression. And one of the first things that he did when he, when he latched onto a bit of money was he built a pole barn and that man saved everything. Glass jars, mason jars, any, anything that would be of value to someone if deep, dark depression times came again. I think the man now is a genius. Back then I thought he was a little wacky. Um, but look at what, look at what's happening with the price of used cars, for example. Used car prices are going out the roof. Now, never in my lifetime have I seen a used car price increase in value because you can't get your hand on new cars because the new cars aren't being sold because they don't have the chips which come from Taiwan, which has been shut down. Right? Yes. So um, here's another example. Um, a person that I know uh, ran a restaurant last year and shut it down because uh, he couldn't pay the, the high price of wages that people were demanding. And so he shut it down, and he's selling off the equipment. He sold a, a table, a large, like a, almost a farm table, sold a large farm table for 300 bucks. The person that bought it took it home, put it up on Facebook for $400, and we'll get it. Yeah. Because things like that are not being made. Right? So we, we're... We are entering a time that most of us living have never lived through. But if I go back into my the stories of my parents and grandparents, they all lived through the Great Depression, where whatever you had on hand was an asset if somebody else wanted it. You know, the market price for any item or any service is whatever the buyer is able and willing to pay for it. So we are entering a time where used cars... So, for example, um, talking with a, a relative of mine last night, they said, go check out the price of a 1976 Trans Am. Okay. Do you know a 1976 Trans Am in fairly decent condition is fetching $38,000, roughly? Yep. It's amazing. What is, what is different about a 1976 Trans Am from say, a 2022 Buick. Yeah, just, just years in technology. Right. The Trans Am doesn't have a computer. Right. You can, you can pull it up under a tree and work on it. Something built after, probably after 2000 even, you can't pull up to a tree and work on because the whole thing is controlled by a computer, which needs a chip. So if you got no chip, you got no computer, you got no car. So used cars older than, what was it, older than like 1990 are being snapped up. Yeah. Amazing. Home prices are exactly the same way too. They are through. Wow. They're they're through the roof. Having having used to used to, um, of course, lived in Florida for ten years. I'll I'll occasionally get on Trulia, which is um, you know a home buying website. It's a, you can look up property, whatever else. But I get on there and I just look up homes in Florida just to gauge the prices, just for the fun of gauging prices. A home mm -hmm. 
you know, a new construction home back in the day that would have gone for maybe 600,000, of course, which is a ton of money, but says, you know, waterfront with a, with a swimming pool, um, now is upwards of 900,000. Yep. I mean, it's jumped exponentially. Yep. I have a friend who, let's see, this is March. She bought a condo in Edgewood, Florida. It was a fixer upper, about 1,200 square feet, three bedrooms, kind of small. You know, it's a it's twelve hundred square feet, so it's not a huge condo. Three bedrooms, a couple of baths. Um, it's on a canal. She bought the boat hoist that went with it. She spent two hundred and sixty thousand dollars all the whole package. Um, she bought that back in August, so maybe seven months ago. The same condo is going for five hundred thousand. And and ten years ago that would have gone for a hundred thousand. Yep. Yep. It's amazing. Yep. Twenty years ago I probably could have picked it up for seventy five. Yeah. 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 Yep. So home prices here are you, you can't find a home that um although I think that might change here in a, in the next week and a half a uh, couple of weeks to a month, maybe month and a half. You can't find homes that are uh that are foreclosed. But now with gas prices over $4, I'm expecting a huge supply of houses to come on the market because people are, will be back right back where we were in 2008, people trying to decide, should they keep their car, should they keep their house? Yeah, it's a sick pattern that people aren't learning from. Yeah, yeah. And all of this is caused by those damn central bankers. This is not an accident. Yeah. Back in 2008 when, um, and 2009 when that, uh, well, how many trillions of dollars was that? Six trillion dollars? Nine trillion dollars? I can't remember. I stopped counting at nine trillion dollars. But the um, between, between whoever was president, so Bush and or Obama, and the legislatures that were associated, they kept passing bill after bill after bill of trillions of dollars in spending. And and I thought to myself, this is this is really bad. You can't push put this much money into an economy without massive inflation. But then I realized that what they had also done was that the Federal Reserve had imposed on the banking system that that all the extra money that they got had to be kept in excess reserve accounts. They could not loan it out. So I, I kind of scraped myself off the ceiling and went, okay, so all that money is going out there, but the banks can't loan it out. So it's just going to sit inside the banking system. What happened as soon as Trump came in? He released the money. So all those trillions of dollars that have been swishing around the banking system started getting leaked into the economy through loans. New, um, new debt started piling up. And, um, and lo and behold, the only thing that saved us through the Trump years was that he, he was the one who took us to energy independence. So you get cheap energy, which means that it's cheaper to manufacture goods and services. And so you have a general overall decline in the price levels. At the same time, all this money is flowing out into the economy. Well, Biden kind of shut that down January of last year. So now you still have all this money flowing out into the economy, but you don't have the associated low um, oil 
gas prices, and so now you now you just got straight up inflation. And that that seven point nine percent, don't you believe it? You don't. You know you don't believe it when you go to the gas station and you see that you, the gas that you're paying is a hundred percent or a hundred and twenty five percent over where it was thirteen months ago. So. I would be shocked and surprised if our inflation rate right now isn't really at 30%. Yeah. Now, here's another thing. Back in 2008, in the spring, when we saw the gas prices or the oil prices start to creep up, a friend of mine in the PhD program and I sat down. He worked for Chrysler. And I asked him, um, hey, how... We were sitting at $3.25 a gallon at that time. And I said, how is this going to impact the car industry? And he said, well, our economists tell us that the, the break-even, the breaking point is $4 a gallon. At $4 a gallon, people start parking their trucks and their SUVs. At $4 a gallon, they'll turn those car keys into the bank and say, here you go. And at $4 a gallon, give it six weeks, and you're in a depression. And I'll be darned if that guy wasn't spot on the money. So start the clock last week and see where we're at by the end of April if the gas prices do not come down from where they're at now. Wow. People, yeah. I mean, so people, what else? people can't even afford to so, drive to work. Right, exactly. So here's, here's, the, next, you know, here's the next ripple effect. The people who decide to keep their cars are going to jingle mail on their mortgages. Now, how every single bank out there takes a mortgage and they, they sell it out, they, they package them all up into what we call mortgage-backed securities or asset-backed securities into a portfolio, sometimes of, of around a billion dollars worth. All of these mortgages supposedly are, are good ones. They're not going to fail. But you get 5% of the people jingle mailing their their house keys to the bank, and all of a sudden, all of these mortgage-backed securities are no longer A+. And then we're right back to where we were in the fall of 2008, where the, we had a credit burst. That's that's what's coming. So, I mean, it's it's the perfect storm. It really is the perfect storm of all economic disasters. So that's, that's, I keep telling people, you have to get ready for this. Pay off your debts. Be debt-free. You know, if you are if you have a house, uh, a mortgage payment, go into your banker right now and say, if crap hits the fan, how can we work together so that I can keep my house? You know, can we, can we refinance? Can we, can we, you know, miss payments and tack it on on the other end, you know, on the back end of the loan? Find a way of working with your banker if you're if you're renting a home to, to have the same. I've already had this conversation with my landlord. I had this conversation way back in October, and I said the shit's going to hit the fan. This banking system is going to go under. And he looked at me and he said, "When do you think this is going to happen?" And I said, "Soon. I don't know. Six months, a year." And I said, "I don't know. It's just really going to depend on how fast some of these events that I'm seeing out in the." out in the financial markets roll through. But my concern is, is the house that I'm in paid off? And if it is, can can we work together on me making 
you know, some kind of a, a rent payment so that I don't lose the roof over my head. And and he he was very appreciative of the information and assured me that we would be able to work for some kind of rent. But but this is only if the inflation rate is like, you know, 20% or less and the central banking system doesn't collapse fast. What happens when the inflation rate gets to 40 and 50%? When week over week, the amount of money that you spend on your groceries um, gets so high that you, that you literally can't afford to buy food. What happens when you have, here's, here's a good question, what happens when you have a whole university full of professors and their income, which does not change year over year, I mean, they literally are on a fixed income like senior citizens are, the, the money that they're paid by the university doesn't cover any of their living expenses because all the prices have gone up. What, what happens when they just walk off the job and go, man, you're not even paying me? enough to live on. I could see that happening. I mean, that's straight out of Atlas Shrugged. People just walking off the job and going, whatever. Yeah. I'll figure it out some other way. And if all, so, that, if, if all that happens just in time for summer, then there's your summertime riots right there. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. It's 2022 again. That's right. <laughs> Spin the wheel of chaos one more time. Oh, look, it landed on yeah. summertime riots. Well, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Wow. So, so I'm I'm not I'm really not trying to be a doomer. I know it sounds like a lot of dooming, but 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 most of mostly my message to my students last semester and this semester is get ready, it's coming, because these people running the central banking system, these cabal members, they don't care about us. I had an epiphany a week ago when I woke up and I was thinking about all these, just just the very few families that run these central banking systems, and I was thinking, they don't really care about us. They could give a shit less whether we live or die. Yeah. In fact, the more of us they can take with them on their way out the door, the better they like it. They will collapse the system just so that it doesn't work for us. They're not on our side. They're not our friends. They're not our advocates. They're not our allies. They are, well and truly, our enemies. Now, I'm not talking about the guy that runs the branch bank down at downtown. I'm not talking about him. That, that poor schlub is in just as bad a place as the rest of us. No, I'm talking about the very people at the top of the pyramid that have their little fingers in everything. These people don't care about us. All they care about is money and power. The money gives them power. And all they care about is power and control. So when I woke up the other morning a week ago with this epiphany, I was like, holy smokes, it's worse than I thought. They, they really will collapse the system just to punish us. Just because we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't take the jab, we wouldn't put on a mask, we wouldn't bend the knee and submit. There's a lot of us who, who basically flipped the finger at Washington and said, screw you. I'm not following what you say. You're not my boss. You work for me, remember? Well, they've forgotten. And they don't, they, they don't, in their eyes, they don't work for us. We're just the peons that get to think that we select them. No, no, they, they well and truly work for this, uh, their evil paymasters. 
I mean, look at all that money they're sending over to Ukraine. What was that? Fourteen billion dollars. Yeah. Ukraine is the Ukraine is the money laundering country of the world. Yeah. You know, if Detroit is the car capital of the world, then Ukraine is the money laundering capital of the world, and those people in Congress just want one last swipe at the at the pie, so that on their way out the door, they've lined their pockets with a few hundred million more dollars. Well, let's hope that. And I know that. Every, let's, I know let, that sounds cynical. No, no, it's it's accurate. Let let's at least hope that every sing, uh, signature from a congressperson on on uh, on any of that money exchange ends up, uh, you know, oh, I don't know, in shackles someday. But I wonder whether or not the, the there was a little more to the 2016 treaty that that Trump signed with all of these other nations that it wasn't just about money that it was probably sure it wasn't yeah i'm i'm beginning to think that there's i'm beginning to think that there's more layers to trump than an onion let me give you a little example remember how in uh end of march maybe middle of march when or maybe it wasn't even March, maybe it was February 2020, when um, it started to look like there was this new coronavirus, and Trump started saying it came from China. And he was saying China, really weird. People in the media thought it was a dig at China. Did you know, let me pull this up on my, did you know that there is a city in Ukraine called China? I read that. Yeah. Pretty it's, cool. Uh, it's, it's spelled S-H-P-Y-L-C-H-Y-N-A. I can't even pronounce it. I don't know. Shipple China? I'm, not, I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it in, in Ukrainian. But, you know, all of us here for two years thought Trump was saying China must pay. Maybe it's not China... In east, in in the east, maybe it's China and Ukraine. Yeah, you know, I I also saw another picture which was really awesome, and I and I love I love the idea, and it has to be intentional because again, there's too many. It's it, it would be mathematically impossible at this point. There's just too many things that have looked way too on point over the over mm-hmm. the course of the last number of years, but. During one of those task force meetings, it's a picture of him showing, uh, holding up three Q-tips. Yes, you, I saw you, that. You saw it, that? Yeah, it, it turned, it's the Ukrainian it flag. Out that the, the Ukrainian symbol is the trident. <laughs> right. I love right. it. I love it. I so, love it. So here's, here's another oddity. There is video of Trump when he went to visit Saudi Arabia. And, and there is video of the top uh, Saudi family, the king, the crown prince, and probably relatives of theirs. And they're, they're dancing with President Trump. And President Trump is carrying a sword. He's carrying the sword of Arabia. Now, that sword of Arabia, from what I've been able to dig up, is only touched by the king. Why is Trump carrying the sword? Why is he dancing with the sword of Arabia? Yeah. So, so they're on our Trump side. Makes, yeah, I, you know, and then, and then oh, last week, there's Biden going on his hands and his knees, simpering over to um, Saudi Arabia to to um, 
produce more oil. And, and the story that I read was that the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, said, I don't care what he wants. <laughs> go, go pound sand. Yep. So, yeah, so there is, um, there actually is a treaty between many of the Middle Eastern countries there's like 20 of them that in 1976 put together their own Arab Monetary Fund. It's called the Arab Monetary Fund. It was formed in 1976, and it's a consortium of uh, 20 uh, Middle Eastern countries. And, and it looks like to me it's scattered around. It's scattered around the Middle East, but it also goes into Northern Africa. And these countries have agreed way back 40 years ago plus. They have agreed to uh, do their own banking, to fund um, investment uh, types of activities, um, you know, those kinds of activities that will benefit each of their countries and all of them together. And they have their own currency. I didn't know that. Interesting. <laughs> I had no idea. So I, th I think there's a lot more going on around the world than, than we even know. And I think that, you know, Trump spent a good portion of the first couple of years of his presidency um, whizzing around the globe, meeting people. Um, so, for example, one of the people that he met that we all know is, well, we don't know him, but, but we know he met uh, Kim Jong-un, the, uh, the leader of North Korea. And for three and a half years, nothing, nothing out of Korea. Um, uh, Trump says that, you know, Trump reported that he and Kim Jong-un would write letters to each other. Did you know that Trump is fluent in Korean? I did not. Yeah, he is. Um, so if he's writing sealed messages, to Kim Jong-un, and Kim Jong-un is writing sealed messages to Trump, what are they talking about? Good stuff, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking that there's a lot more underneath, un, underneath the, the radar that happened while Trump was president than, than we know. And Trump's sole purpose, and he told us this on his inauguration speech, that his sole purpose was to return power to the people. Now, I watched his rally this last Saturday night. He was over in um, Florence, South Carolina? Yeah. I think Florence, South Carolina. And he reiterated that. He said, my sole purpose is to return power to you, the people. Well, how do you do that? Well, you got to get us off that that debt slavery central banking system. And the only way to do it, the only way I can see to do it is to is to print so much money that the dollar becomes worthless and that system will collapse. And then we can, we individuals will substitute that system with some other way of bartering for our goods and services. Um, and, and that this, the more I think about it, the more I think, I think that's what he did. I mean, why else would he turn loose of all those excess reserves and tell the banks, yeah, loan it out? And then in um, early 2020, it was the CARES Act, $3.5 trillion. And then there, I think there was another trillion that went out the door before he left office. 
And then there were several more trillion dollars that Biden spent. Well, every time every time they spend this money and it goes out into the economy, that's another that's another little goose on the gas pedal for inflation to rise up. So if I wanted to take the central bank out, like get rid of it entirely, I would do exactly what Trump did. I would I would remove its agency status and put it up into the US Treasury. So I would take all the power away from the from the Federal Reserve banks and then I would make it a situation where the currency becomes worthless so that people will naturally go to whatever is most valuable. And we know what that is. It's gold and silver. Now, Bitcoin has entered into kind of the picture, but um, I'm a little bit, this is me personally, I'm, I'm not technologically advanced. I don't know how Bitcoin really does work, but I'm a little bit leery of having something that I can't hold in my hands as my as my currency i mean to me bitcoin is worse than a federal reserve dollar because at least the dollar i can hold in my hands even if it's worthless yeah i agree i agree with you on bitcoin i i think i think in due time it will crash um like many other things but yeah if you can't hold it in your hand then uh that's that's no good right and so look what happened to the canadian truckers Um, Justin Trudeau, the premier of Canada, told the Canadian banks shut down their accounts. So, so now we, you know, it's almost like he let the cat out of the bag. Oh, by the way, you know, all of this, uh, central bank digital currency, maybe you don't want to do this because look at what they can do to you. They don't like the way your hair is shut down their account. They don't like what your political views are shut down their account. So, you know, that put paid to, at least in my mind, that was the, the nail in the coffin on any kind of digital currency because they still control you. And the whole idea is to get rid of any kind of control a central bank or any other government agency has over you. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm maybe at some point there's some day in the future there's some technology that, you know, we'll all have digital dollars on our wallet on our cell phone i don't know and 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 it will be safe but i don't trust it i only trust the things that i can hold in my hand let me let me ask you this people go ahead okay no go for it i was going to say people are very adept we have spent ten thousand years of human history bartering for the things that we want and we've we've narrowed down the um, the list of things that we will accept as money in trade for something, we've narrowed it down to gold and silver. And so those, those at least for the last 6,000 years, has been money to humans. And, and I think that that's, we will naturally go back to that. We will naturally go back to that because that's, that's what we know, even if we're not accustomed to it today. Yeah, I, I sure hope so. Um Given the, I would well just given the existence of the European Union, then let, let's let's kind of toss this around a little bit and see what you think. I, I'm interested in your your take on this too. If if Europe right now continues to build the European Union the way that they have always wanted, I mean they are really the globalists of globalists. 
if the idea with the 2016 treaty again is to is to rely on money outside of them, hopefully, because clearly they're not included. And Russia's doing their thing now. China's doing their thing now. We're watching our system implode. I believe, much like you do, that it's being done on purpose. Uh, even though it's taking a lot of great people with it, you know, because so many people are reliant on it. Um, what does this mean for the European Union? Because without their destruction, we, you know, I feel like we're, at least globally, we're more likely to fall back into our old patterns of behavior. I mean, they have to be taken down also. So do you think that a treaty like what, was accomplished in 2016 would basically squeeze out the European Union and leave Europe on an island all by themselves to the point where each individual country would have no choice but to become financially independent again. Yes. Yes, I think the European Union as a union of, of countries is doomed. I mean, their euro is just as valuable as our dollar. And, um, and I think that Remember when Trump went to the UN? Um, what year was that? Was that 2018? He went to the UN, and he was uh, he was late to the meeting, and um, and he made he made all those European leaders wait for him to show up, and then he walked through he walked through their midst like they were ants on his shoes, and he didn't mind to squish them. Yep. Um. I I think that that was sort of kind of, to me, that was a red flag that something is up. Now, he told the Rush, uh, he told the Germans his last year in office that if they made a treaty with Russia for Russia to supply all the oil to Germany, that Germany was going, he may as well just give Merkel a white flag right then. And she said, she said, why? And he said, because you you've surrendered to Russia. They they're heating your homes in the winter in northern Europe. And if Russia doesn't if Russia feels like it, they can shut the pipeline off. Well what what's Russia threatening to do? All they had to all Putin had to do is look at Germany and say, You like that heat? I hear it's really cold over there. And 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 Germany would not go against Russia when they had their incursion into Ukraine. Germany would not go against it. Well, how many other countries in Europe are getting their heating oil and their their um, petroleum products from Russia? I think a lot of them. So I think, you know, um, I, I know that Trump put the kibosh on the Nord Stream line, but, and Biden turned around and said, yeah, go ahead and build it. But, um, you know, if somebody owns the money that you're using or the, the heating oil that heats your home, they've got you. So I think the European Union as a union of states, at least as far as a uh, commonwealth of trading partners with a one currency for the entire union, I think that's gone. I think it's that's crumbling as we watch. Yeah, I sure hope I think so. all those... Yeah, all those countries, and again, that's a Western central banking uh, enclave, right? The whole idea behind the Bank of International Settlements and the IMF and the World Bank, the whole entire um, 
system is set up as a debt slavery system. And those people running those banks, the people up at the very top of the pyramid, um, those people running those banks will will milk that for all it's worth until they own everything that you produce. So I think that system is fast coming to an end as well. Europeans are, are they, they have been um, conned into letting a few wealthy people order them about and tell them how they were, will live their lives. And I'm, and I'm pretty certain that the, the common people in Europe, nation by nation, are just going to say, screw this. We don't need this. We'll go back and use our own currency. And as soon, and like I said, as soon as Russia and China decide to back their currency with gold, and they have they have a consortium of other nations that will go along with them, and they don't use either the euro or the U.S. dollar to do any of their trade in, I think that those two particular currencies will lose value faster than than you ever thought possible, and that will collapse the banking systems. And and good riddance, I say, because we. We should not allow any private bank to hold us hostage over our, our hours of labor or anything else that we produce. You know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a new experience for a lot of people, generations of people. Yes. And, and a I, lot of these actions are going to wake people up. Um, for example, um, so my, my older son, who's beyond 40, um, has, has tendencies leaning left, let me put it that way, until he became a businessman and ran his own business, and then it was amazing how fast he went over to the right, <laughs> because his socialist ideas didn't work for running a business. But he asked the other day, he said, I think it's really strange that during the Obama administration and now in the Biden administration, our gas prices have gone out the ceiling. And he said, but under the Trump administration, our gas prices were some of the lowest in history, you know, in the recent 30, 40 years. And I said, uh-huh. Why do you think that is? He said, I don't know. But the only thing I can settle on is Obama and Biden are both Democrats. And I went, huh. That's a, so, that's a starting know, point. That, that's a good place to start. Everyone has their own trigger for what will wake them up. Um, for, for In this particular case, it's right in the wallet. And for a lot of people, I think it's going to be the fact that maybe gas prices last week were four bucks and they, they, it, they didn't really pay any attention to it. Maybe they drove past the gas station and went, huh, look at that. But when they go to fill up their tank, and it costs them three times as much as it did two weeks ago, they're going to go, wait a minute. You know? So if you wanted to, if you wanted to, let me use this phrase, if you wanted to red pill the world, how would you do it? Every country is different. Every person in every country has a different trigger spot. But all of us share one thing. We all want to eat. We all want to have a roof over our heads. We would we would like to live as comfortably as we can. So if there was one thing to red pill the entire world into what these 
um, central banking cabal people are doing to us, it would be to inflate the currency beyond its ability to recover and force everyone to go back to some kind of sound money system. Does that make sense? It does. You've, you've got to kick them right in the wallet. And like you said earlier, you have to do it in such a way that it's it feels like the depression. Yes. Yeah. That's what I think. And I think that that's what we're seeing. I think um, Putin and Xi, whether they're working together blatantly or not, certainly are coordinating, especially, especially if what I heard was the, the rumor that President Xi looked at President Putin and said, hey, look, could you just not run into Ukraine until after the Olympics are over? Would, would you mind just holding off a little bit? I mean, if that really is true, then they're seriously coordinating on this. If I wanted to let the world know, the world's population know, or the majority of the world's population know, that, that there is a small group of people running everything and ruining everyone's lives, I'd want to expose it. I'd want to expose it in the most drastic way possible so that everyone could see it, so that we never choose these people to run things ever again in 500 lifetimes. Your lips to God's ears on that one. I sure hope so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. These, yeah, we cannot let these um, private bankers run our lives and run our countries because, because personally, this is this is my own personal feeling. I think that these people are, I think they're deadly earnest in wiping out as men, as much of humanity as possible, and I think that they they literally do not care about their fellow man. They only care about themselves insofar as their comfort, um, their peace of mind. They want more money, more power, so that they can do whatever they want to all of us little people. And um, when you get that kind of uh, psychotic, um, when you get that kind of psychotic people running things, bad things happen. And I think that those kind of people should not, I mean, at this, at this point, I think that if we get our hands on those people, I don't think we should allow them to mix with humanity anymore. That's my own personal opinion. I agree with you. Yep. Yeah, they, they've gotten away with it for way too long. Too many of us are awake to it now. Now the question just becomes, we've got to get rid of the people that claim to be representing us. And, uh, and so many of them aren't. Oh, I know. If not all of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, if you've got, so, you got a few minutes, let's shift gears to Marshall and, and tell, tell people what's sure. going on there. Well, Marshall's been pretty quiet. Um, I had a had kind of an interesting interchange, uh, sort of an instructional conversation with one of administration in mid-February. Um, <clears throat> this person came to me and basically said that uh, people are noticing that you're not wearing a mask. And, um, you know, I've been hearing from outside voices that maybe you shouldn't get promotion and 
maybe you shouldn't, you know, have your employment here any longer. And so I, I took, uh, I took that to be a serious threat. And I, I wrote a, a very well worded email. I think I might've sent you a copy of it. You did. And basically told the upper, upper, upper top administration, um, that the mask mandates were illegal. And I explained why and that I basically expected to be treated fairly um, without discrimination and that uh, if, if my not wearing a mask because I am honoring my own health interferes with uh, promotion or employment at Marshall, then the people who are talking about this need to go take an ethics class and uh, on the worst case scenario that, you know, we will solve this in other places. So March the 10th, Marshall very quietly and without fanfare and without any announcement eliminated their mask mandate. There you they didn't go. tell anybody. And I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that when the students come back from spring break that that I show them the web page that says you want to wear a mask. It's optional. There's, uh, I, I think Marshall. Uh, I think there are some people in Marshall who put the university in a dire legal position, and I don't think that some of the top, top, top administration actually realized that. And I think my my letter may have gone a long way towards them recognizing the dire legal position they had set themselves in. And in order to save themselves, they just they just kind of made a squeamy ex excuse of, well, Cabell County is yellow now, so we can we can go to mask optional. And um, so I'm happy to I'm happy to see that. Um, I think that the information coming out from Pfizer and AstraZeneca, BioNTech, and J and J about how they're, especially when the words come right out of the CEO's mouth that their jabs really are a gene therapy. They're not a vaccine. And that, you know, I think uh, Borla came out the other day and said, yeah, I've made, I've made a shit ton of money, you know, and I can't wait for everybody to get a fourth jab. Now I'm paraphrasing. But he basically said, you know, two jabs and a booster aren't really going to work for you. You're going to need a fourth jab. And I think that landed with a thud. Um, those are some of the people I think that we need to take to Nuremberg too. I think Reiner Fulmick has already targeted those people and those um, bio companies. I, I I heard the other day, and I couldn't verify it, that Pfizer has delisted, but I still see it listed on the. Um, if I go into CNBC and I type in the Pfizer ticker, I still see it trading. So I don't know what's going on with that, but I think these. Um, bio companies, these pharma companies, they're about to go belly up. I, if they, they, if they, they knowingly put really bad stuff into these jabs, they knowingly did that, then they have no uh, indemnity. They have no coverage on liability. They're going to be ripped to shreds. And people are going to be personally sued. And that means everyone who is pushing these are going to be personally sued, which includes the governor of West Virginia and the governor of Ohio, because didn't they both put down little, um, you know, get a jab, enter this contest kind of thing for most of 2021? 
They they did, and in fact, I uh, I had a conversation with a local prosecutor here in the county where I live, and he claimed that that was not illegal. Huh? I know. That was that was my response to him. We talked on the phone, and it's a it's a previous podcast episode from uh, from last week. But I went to the sheriff's department, and uh, we we a parent and I talked with a sheriff's deputy about all of this. And the entire sheriff's department is dead asleep on all of this. the The deadly nature of the jabs, them being a bioweapon, the whole thing. They're a hundred percent asleep. And so was the prosecutor. And Robin, the kicker was this. The prosecutor was double jabbed and stuck at home sick. Wow. Well. He said it's not coercion. He said what Mike DeWine did isn't coercion because he didn't, because everybody still has free will. He could have said. Right. It would have been coercion legally, he said, if he just said something like, um, you have to get the jabs or else we're coming to your house. But he's not allowed under the Nuremberg Code to offer rewards either. It can't be coercion and it can't be rewards. There's, there's, you, they, yeah, the prosecutor's right. There, he didn't use coercion. No, he used rewards, right. which is also illegal under the Nuremberg Code, Section 1. And see, these prosecutors, these local county prosecutors, are not thinking about international law. Right. They're, they're only operating well, on state codes, and that's about it. Well, hopefully, Tom Rents will get them all. Um, I heard that. I heard that Tom's got. Uh, he's building his legal team, and he's uh, he's going after these people. Um, he hopefully, seems, he seems to be the once, only lawyer once, in Ohio who's doing anything too. Well, again, you know, once these lawyers figure out that there's um, plenty of money out there to cover their legal expenses, especially when they start going after these companies. Um, if they start going after the surety bonds of the public officials, I mean, lawyers have to eat too, and somebody's got to pay that BMW payment. It's true. I know that sounds cynical, but, you know, at some point, somebody else is going to get in on the act, and, and it's not going to just be Tom Rent. Or Reiner Fulmick, it's going to be a lot of people. And, um, you know, what happens when this prosecutor figures out that he's got VADES, you know, vaccine um, autoimmune deficiency because he got the vaccine? I know. You know, I didn't, I didn't have the. Do you think it would, (laughs) do you think it would wake him up? (laughs) I got to tell you, I was, I, it, uh, as I said in the episode when I was describing the phone call, because I even recorded the phone call, I had to just because I wanted to go back and listen to what the guy said. Um, uh-huh. But it was, I didn't have the heart to tell him, you know. Oh, and, man. But, but I did. I did ask him. I said, "So, I said, so the shots don't work, then, do they?" And there was a long pause. <laughs> there was a long pause, and he goes, "No, no, I guess they don't. I guess they don't work, you know." But he goes, and again, he, you know, bless these brainwashed goons, but the, 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 they just say the same things that they hear on TV without an ounce of original thought. They just repeat what they hear on television. And he said, um, well, there's no telling what would have happened had I had not had the shots. He said, it could have been a whole lot worse. <laughs> I'm like, 
Dude, you have no idea what's coming your way. Well, there are there are truly harsh lessons coming for many. And, um, you know, the, the unjabbed, the never jabbed, are, are not going to get vaccine autoimmune disease syndrome. You know, um, so I guess they're, I guess if I'm looking at it metaphysically, and, you know, if I believed in reincarnation, I'd say, well, dude, go to the other side, figure it out, come on back and try it again. Um, but I don't know. I think that it, every person has a different trigger that wakes them up. And if, you know, maybe just that little drop in his ear, maybe that will stick with him and it will, it will put into him the worm of doubt, you know, the worm that turns. And maybe, hopefully, nothing will happen to him. He just got the saline, right? But if he's really sick, he probably didn't get the saline. No, if he's sick months after receiving his second shot. Yeah. 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 So, I don't know. Some people, some people are, it's going to take quite a bit to shake them out of their sleep. You know, they wouldn't even take the paperwork. The sheriff's department, um, they passed the buck off to the prosecutor's office, and they basically told us, you know, just go and talk with the prosecutor and see what they say. But the sheriff's, uh, the sheriff's department investigator never contacted us, even though we made a formal, a formal report. Um, but oh. now I'm just going to take all the paperwork that I have and just send it to him in the mail. And, uh-huh. and just, yeah, just message the... Uh, just make it a direct a direct mail message to the sheriff himself and say, okay, we, we filed a report, we talked with the prosecutor's office, you're all dead asleep, so now you need to read this. And it's, I mean, yeah. it's a lot of stuff. It's stuff about the local school district. It's um, a couple of expose articles. There was an excellent ex- expose article that, that broke, broke down this entire bioweapon thing down by exhibits and it's exhibit a all the way down to like exhibit x i mean it's wow. it's just intense and then the pfizer document of course i printed that off you know mm-hmm. this is what this is what's going on here and uh you know I'm, I'm glad that the sheriff's department isn't enforcing the mask wearing and they're not arresting anybody because they're not wearing a mask and they're not arresting people because they won't take a shot because they know that they can't do that but right. um yeah, it, 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 that, but they haven't t- they haven't taken the next logical step and thought. You know why can't they arrest somebody? Why can't they enforce taking the shot? Right, they don't understand that they don't have to be medical experts to to conduct an investigation. Right, I mean they get to do that, and then they get to put out an email to everybody in the county that says, "Hey, wait a minute, you might not want to do this anymore." That's basically where it exists at the local level. That seems to be where it's going. But again, as I, you know, I said it in a Substack article, it's next to impossible for, for these people to prosecute or investigate if they themselves are dead asleep. It's the perfect crime. Right. Yes. Yes. What, what day was that podcast that you put all that information in? Was that Friday's podcast? I believe so. Okay. I'll go back and listen to it. Yep. And and can you send me your Substack uh, sure, sure. link, please? That'd I be can. great. 
Yep. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what it's going to take. I think. Um, I think it's it's a different trigger point for everybody. But I, um, a, as a person who, uh, I know that all of my close relatives, except for my son, has had at least one jab. Some of them two. Some of them the two jabs and a booster. And um, and I've. I've just sort of come to accept that everybody has to make their own decision in life. And regardless if I like it or not, I mean, I put in my two cents and got banned from the family. Um, my husband put in his two cents and got banned from his family. We love them anyway. You know, um, I, I'm sorry that they're so asleep and that this has the potential for taking their life. But, but I've, I've, I've done and said everything I can do and say, and um, you know, I'd like to be I'd like to be invited to the funeral. I'd like to at least have that option, and I know that sounds morbid, but um, you know, everybody is everybody's doing their own thing, and you can't stop them. You can make suggestions. You can, after you make suggestions, the only thing you can do is love them. That's all you can do. Just just love them. They're making a bad decision. Either they're making a bad decision out of ignorance or they're making a bad decision and and they know things but they don't know what else to do. I mean I I, I think we're getting close to the point where doctors are, are going to start saying to their patients, I was told to do this. Um, there's a, a doctor in England I think his name is John Coleman, who suddenly realized that the jabs are killing people, and he was one of the people in England pushing it. You know, at some point, um, anyone with a conscience who is pushing this jab is, is going to have to look themselves in the mirror and and either have an incredible come to Jesus moment and and get some get some universal forgiveness or they're not going to be able to live with themselves. So I, I just, I think this is an incredible period that we're living through, Sean. I think that there are so many lessons that are going on that people are walking their lives through that um, some of the consequences are going to be harsh. And, um, and I don't want to stop loving my family because they've made a piss poor decision. Um, but but if it means that I have to love them from a distance because they don't want to they don't want to hang with me or you know whatever whatever is befuddling their mind um, it, it doesn't stop me from loving them anyway. Yeah, so, that's sound advice. Yeah, yeah, just love them because they're obviously not they're they're obviously not awake enough to love themselves. Otherwise, they wouldn't have taken the jab. Yeah, you know, the. I, I had this conversation with my mom a couple of weeks back. I just said the business of these individuals, regardless of who they are, not asking questions and, and just not thinking and just, you know, again, doing what your television tells you to do. That is not a survivable attribute. I mean, that's it's not a. That's not, that's not a characteristic that's going to keep a person alive. 
Right. I mean, we live in a time, and frankly, always have, but and many of people have always known this their entire lives, and it's been passed down to them generation to generation. But if you don't ask questions, you'll end up on the wrong end of a lot of things, yeah. and you can only do that so often before your life fades away. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we've got to start teaching yeah, people, it, you know, regardless of how young they are, that they need to, they need to not trust everything they hear. They need to critically think for themselves as an individual. And then, uh, God willing that will, that will break through any genetic behavior, you know, that is passed on to them from their parents because characteristics like stubbornness and things of that nature that's handed down, you know, from generation to generation, not just in genetic behavior, but of course the environments that we grow up in. But even so, I would rather be I would rather be stubborn in not watching television. I would rather be stubborn in not trusting the medical industry. You know, I'd rather be on that end of being stubborn than on the opposite end, which is uh, ignoring anybody who questions it. Right. Yeah, I I agree. In my Atlas Shrug class, we we start out the class with um, discussing codes of ethics and moral codes. and. and the whole purpose, my purpose for discussing this is because in the John Galt speech in Atlas Shrugged, which is towards the end of the book, he talks about moral codes and, and ethics and how those, those, are, those are the things that guide your thoughts and your thoughts guide your actions and your actions are what get you the consequences. And, and my my point to the students is, if you have a good moral code, like for instance, I, I hand them out the Ten Commandments. I know that sounds weird, um, especially since it's an econ class, but the Ten Commandments is a good moral code to follow. Why? Because, and I call it the Ten Really Good Suggestions, because a commandment means that you can't disobey, right? So I call them the Ten Really Good Suggestions because you have the, you have the choice to obey them or not. When you follow the Ten Commandments, those those moral codes guide your thoughts, which guide your actions, which get you consequences. And if you actually are following the Ten Commandments, the Ten Really Good Suggestions, the consequences that you are going to reap through your lifetime will be mostly good, which will keep you alive. And that's the whole point to a moral code. A moral code that is a code of life will keep you alive. But a moral code that is a code of death, like the ten planks of Marxism, if you follow those ten planks, that will get you death for sure. Your economy will die, you will, your earning power will die, and eventually you won't be able to feed yourself and you'll die. So the moral code, and, and this I think is one of the, maybe one of the downfalls of the church, or maybe it was on purpose, I'm not really sure, but there are so many lessons in the Bible of a person who did not follow good advice, either from their parents or from God, and ended up in a really bad situation. You know, I'm thinking of the prodigal son. Um, but but at each step, that that you have a choice. You know, if you're going down a path and bad things keep happening to you, the the person who's awake is going to stop in the middle of the path and say. Why does this keep happening? You know, these are my actions. Oh, I see. I'm getting the consequences from my actions. And so the wise person, the person who wakes them up 
and wakes himself up and says, maybe I should turn off of this path and go back the other way and go back to the fork and take the, take the better path. Um, but the person who's asleep continues down the bad path, never questioning why bad things happen to them. And eventually they get to a consequence that removes their life from them. Now, I don't know what happens after people die. I don't know if they actually go stand in front of God and they, they review their lives. or I don't know because, you know, I'm not there yet. But I can conjecture. And, um, and, I, and I know I've watched people who have walked down bad paths and keep asking, why do these bad things happen? And then, you know, just a couple of questions to them might be the only thing that you need to do to help wake them up saying, well, what actions were you taking? Well, I was taking action X, Y, and Z. And yet you still keep getting these bad consequences. Maybe there's some connection there. Um, so I go through this with my students. And my students in this class are 19, 20, maybe 21. And for most of the students, it passes by them as a kind of a weird exercise in class that McCutcheon is really obsessive about. Once in a while, I will get a student that it actually, they, they actually go, oh, that's what you mean. Yeah. And that's, un, that's unusual. It might only be one student per class. Sometimes I think this semester I've been really lucky and I've got most of the class going, oh, my gosh. Um, but but the, the things that are going on out in the world are so up in their face that they, they can't ignore it anymore. So um, you're, you're absolutely right when you say we have to start teaching these things right from the get-go for our, for our children and our grandchildren. And these are things that our, that our great-great-grandparents and go on back into history, they knew, you know, when... Um, when uh, the Founding Fathers put together our country, one of the things that they, they were adamant about was that when teaching children, one of the things that should be taught are lessons from the Bible because there, there's so many good ones in there. And, um, you know, people come to grief more often through not being aware of how their actions precipitate out into consequences and then those consequences come back and they're real. You know, we don't all have to live through a depression to know what one is like. Um, so, I mean, I lived through the depression in the 80s in Michigan. That was that was pretty harsh. I determined that that was not a fun time. And if there was any way to, when the economy turned down again, to avoid living through that that particular, those particular consequences of all my bad decisions, and I was going to make different decisions so that when the economy turned down again, I would not be in the position where I was destitute. But not everybody does that, yeah. right? So, yeah, you're right. We've, we've got to teach our children differently. We can't, we can't trust the public school system. They're not going to do it. I mean, they're not interested in actually educating our students. It sounds to me, the more I hear, the, the, the only thing they're really interested in doing is teaching them to hate America and, and, and doing really perverse things. They're not interested in actual education. So um, 
I, I think the, the sooner we can get our, our kids out of the public school system and let that whole thing collapse, I think it's the better. And the, the universities aren't going to be too far behind. I mean, because the, the, the students that are coming out of the K-12 system end up in my courses and are just confused, grown-up children. They're not even adults. I mean, I, I mean adults maturity-wise. Yeah. So we've, we've, we've got to start somewhere, and we've got to make sure that we keep doing it for generations so that, so, that we don't, so that we don't induce harsh punishments when they're not uh, earned, if that's, if that's a good way to say it. It'll work, Sean. Stiff upper lip. Think good thoughts. The central banking system collapsing will precipitate a lot of change throughout all of America and the world, and it won't be that long. We might have a little bit of wobbliness as the, you know, the dollar becomes worthless, and more people wake up and they look around and they say, "Okay, well, what can I use to barter and trade?" And we'll get ourselves back. I, I have no doubt that we will get ourselves back. It just might take a minute. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.